My name is Randy, one of the uh, pastors around here. Glad to be with you all and have you with us today. Over the past few months, we have been identifying uh, what we've been calling keys for kingdom living from the Bible and particularly the life of Jesus. And uh, what we've identified is that when we will implement these, we can experience the kind of life that not only would we like to live, but also that God would want for us to live. Last week we began looking at the key of living life on purpose by looking at how Jesus lived his life on purpose. Near the uh, end of the book of Proverbs, an Old Testament book of wisdom, the author shares this key for kingdom living. Where there is no vision, people are aimless. And I would advocate that probably too many of us are aimless and unhappy at what we're experiencing in life because we don't understand our need for purpose or we're lacking that clear purpose for our life. So this morning I want to look at living life on purpose by seeing that the purpose life is a balanced life. But before we head there, I thought we could lighten it up a little bit. I have ten one-liners, so if they're funny or not, please laugh. Just to encourage me, thank you. Can't see the screen very well. Wow. That's bad. Actually, the next one will be brighter. Go ahead and bring the next one up. What happens if you get scared half to death twice? I don't know. 42.7% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah, yeah, that was the joke. There's no punchline on these. These are one-liners, not two-liners. Do you want me to start over? Let's go back. Can we go? No, we've got to keep going. Okay, Pat, forge ahead. We're getting an advocation here. If at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence that you tried. Everyone has a photographic memory. Some just don't have any film. There are three kinds of people, those who can count and those who can't. <laughs> three out of four Americans make up 75% of the population. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. You're warming up. A day without sunshine is a lot like night. Okay. As I've said before, I never repeat myself. If you try to fail and succeed, which have you done? Anyone? Okay. Don't use a big word where a diminutive one will suffice. My favorite... 99% of lawyers give the rest a bad name. If you're a lawyer in the room, please forgive me. Well, forget it. Don't forgive me. Um, I used to be indecisive. Now I'm not so sure. Okay, we got somebody going in the front row here. It's a daughter. They're just so encouraging. They've been raised with my silliness. I've got a mind like like a, what's that thing called? Oh, yeah, trap. That's right. Okay, on that note, let's, um, what do I usually do at this point in the service? Oh, yeah, let's pray. Thank you. Lord, I am confident that you laugh at us a lot, not because of um, our weirdness, but because of your love for us. We love laughing with our kids and our parents sometimes. um, Father, I just welcome you in a very profound way to uh, help us today to consider our purpose. 
And Father, for those who have uh, looked at these scriptures numerous times, perhaps taught material very similar to this, Lord, for those of us who have considered these topics and imagined that we have this uh, under our feet, I ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us more. Father, just as I um, continue to find your word just opening up to me in in new uh, revelatory ways, I, I welcome you to do that for us. And Father, for our guests that are here, I especially want to ask that your Holy Spirit would just uh, be near them, help them to connect with you and find the way on. Lord, often um, people turn to you at a time of great crisis, and I ask in Jesus' name that you would meet all needs that are here today. In Jesus' name. As we consider the uh, topic of living life on purpose, I want to look at the New Testament letter of Ephesians where the Apostle Paul declares our destiny and purpose. One of the most profound questions uh, that every human asks sometime in their life, if not multiple times, is why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose in life? I believe that there is within every human being the desire, maybe the desperation, to find meaning and purpose in life. I want my life to count. I remember crying out to God in my 20s, and I still cry out today. One of the reasons I believe that uh, many of us are confused and unsatisfied in life is because we don't understand our primary purpose as human beings. Many in pursuit of purpose have inadvertently gotten sidetracked with other kinds of activities, sometimes confusing their assignments with their purpose. So let me just ask you today, why are you here? Why do you exist? What is your purpose in life? If you've got a Bible with you, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. In my Bible, that's found on page 1009. I don't know what it is on yours. That's about halfway through the New Testament. It comes after Corinthians and Galatians. I want to take time to read through chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, uh, going all the way to verse 12. It's a fairly long reading, but one that is rich in truth from God to us. Uh, I'm not going to be expositing it, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm not going to be expositing this fully, and so hopefully as we read through it that the Holy Spirit will yet enable you to, uh, to drink deep from this particular passage. Ephesians 1, 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, 
according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things, according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. Let's look at a few of these uh, verses and see what we can grasp and gather out of pur- out of on this topic of purpose and destiny. Firstly, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God. It's very important to Paul that those who read his letters understand that he's not some independent, self-appointed religious guru, but that he is called, commissioned by God according to the will and purpose of God. Paul says, I am an apostle. Apostle being a messenger, a sent one, or one sent on a mission. Paul was a man with a mission. He lived his life with purpose and on purpose. And that purpose was to have relationship with God and to tell others this good news that they too could have such a relationship. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Another way to say this uh, that may make it more easily understood is to the full of faith set apart ones by Christ Jesus who live in in Ephesus. Paul is not directing this to a small elite minority in the Ephesian church. He's not speaking to some dead people. Uh, This letter is to all the followers of Jesus and a description of what Paul believes and expects followers of Jesus to be and to do. Saints, full of faith, set apart ones. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace um, is God's empowering presence that enables us to be all that God has called us to be and to do all that God has called us to do. Everywhere you see the word grace, if you, if you put that definition in, the empowering presence of God, you'll find that it makes more sense than mercy. There is an element of mercy in grace, but primarily that word means empowerment. God's empowering presence. Peace, or what would be in Hebrew, shalom, means wholeness, healing, completeness. So Paul here is saying to these called and set apart followers of Christ, might you be empowered and live in God's presence. Might you experience his wholeness, his healing and his completeness. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed us through Jesus with not just some or a few, but with every spiritual blessing. I looked up the word every, and it means every. It's very surprising. Every spiritual blessing. There's nothing left out of that. There's not a one left out. There's not a spiritual blessing that God has withheld from us. It's all available to us. You know, one of the biggest kind of lies that the enemy throws at us is that somehow God is withholding something. There in the garden, 
back at the beginning of time. Adam and Eve are walking around. They've been given all of this incredible world. Fruit, trees, animals, gorgeous, no work. All they had to do was play, get up, eat, drink and be merry. Every day. But there was this one thing. The tree. The knowledge of good and evil. God said, all of this is yours. Just stay away from this. And they become fixated on the this. God is withholding something from us. He's keeping it from us. But Paul here is declaring that God has withheld nothing. Every spiritual blessing. Peter echoes this in his letter. The issue here is not God. It's not God's provision. It's our part. The key to unlocking these spiritual blessings is faith. And faith is taking action on what God has said. In this passage, Paul declares that God has granted every spiritual blessing. So a response of faith would be to begin to live as if that were true. Rather than living a life of spiritual poverty. What would it be like to live your life waking up tomorrow morning experiencing and welcoming every spiritual blessing that God has provisioned for you? How different that is than waking up grumbling and complaining about this or that. It's Monday morning, first day of the week, God, I've got to work. Work is a blessing. It's his provision. It's a way and a means by which in this season, in this world, and the kind of thing that he provides. It's a part of that. And besides, we'd get in trouble if we had, didn't have work to do. Most of us. So God has provided every spiritual blessing. And what he's looking for and longing for for us to unlock those is faith. Is to take action, to live as if that was true in expectation of God's goodness. Verse 4, He, God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. Paul tells us that God has chosen us. He's picked us to be on His team. Any of you remember being a kid, you know, and teams were being picked and you weren't, or you were last or something? I remember that. But Paul says, before you were in school, even before you were born, God chose you. He picked you to be on his team. I think that's pretty cool. But what did he pick us for? What did he choose us to do? Paul says, to be holy and blameless before him in love. Holy means to be set apart for special use. It's the same word as the name saint that he had used earlier. Blameless means without blemish, unblemished, pure, above reproach. In love, because God is love, and if we're going to express something of God, it has to be expressed in love. God has called us to be holy, to be set apart. Jesus spoke of being in the world, but not of it. God has chosen us And he has set us apart for a reason. That we might be a living example of what a God-filled person is like. So as we 
consider this topic of purpose, many of us at times will think of a particular career. We'll think of a particular ministry or a calling, something we can do for God in that way. But here I would propose that we're grasping and understanding an, an element or a nature of purpose that is above those or below as a supporting activity, if you want to see it that way. That we might be a living example of what a God-filled person is like. That's profound. It's a little high, but it's profound. And as we arise in the morning and we consider, Father, today you have called me to be holy and blameless before you in love. I would advocate that he would be happy to help you. For that is why he has chosen us. He destined us, verse 5, for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to to the kind intention of his will. Not only has God chosen us, but he destined or predetermined us to be his children. Not slaves, not some lower life form, but children. Genesis tells us that humankind was created in God's image. We're to look and act like our daddy. And this is according to his kind intentions, his will, purpose, and plan. My wife, um, growing up in her first few years, experienced her parents getting a divorce. Very young, a few years old. And then a couple years later, a gentleman came into her mom's life, really came along a lot like a savior. Uh, Clara's one of six kids, and um, her mom was not doing well uh, through the divorce. And uh, this gentleman came along initially as a friend to help and to just bring support alongside. In the process, uh, falling in love, uh, marrying. And the um, blood father, who um, of course was Clara's um, initial father, wasn't anywhere around. But this man became dad. And not only was he, as for many, a stepfather, as is common, but he adopted her. And there was a day that Clara went to court and was sitting um, on the judge's lap and was asked the question, what do you think of this guy over here? And I guess she said something affirming, I don't remember. And she was adopted that day. And since that day carries on her birth certificate the name of that man, instead of her blood father. It's one thing to birth a child. It doesn't take a whole lot of brains or a whole lot of love. It, you know, I mean, it can just sort of happen by accident, sort of, kind of, right? But to be adopted is a way different thing. There's a choosing of that person that isn't quite the same. Now, Claire and I chose to have children, and we chose to have our daughters, even though a couple of them kind of slipped in there without us uh, uh, <clears throat> being quite ready for them. But we have five daughters. But um, there is in this that God has chosen us 
and adopted his as sons and daughters. And in my emails and my little cards and things, I often bring up to individuals the reminder that as a son of God or as an adopted son, an adopted daughter, that we are princes and princesses of the king. I think that's pretty cool. You, know, you watch all those movies, diaries, princess diaries or things like that, you know, when they find out that they're really a princess or a prince or something, you know. And that's what we are. And that's a really special place. And there again comes those provisions, all of those spiritual blessings. He's destined us for adoption as his children. According to his kind intention, it was his will to choose us. Verse 11 and 12, In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In these verses, Paul tells us some just incredible things. As followers of Jesus, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. We have been called to be holy and blameless and loving. We have been adopted as His children. We have redemption and forgiveness for our rebellion against Him. We have been given a spiritual inheritance, the Holy Spirit, that, for the purpose that, we might live our lives for the praise of God's glory. That we might live our lives for the praise of His glory. I, was, I thought it was so cool how many of the songs uh, that we sang today echoed and reverberated and touched on elements of my talk. Praise means to exalt, to lift up, to honor, to respect, to cheer and applaud. Glory means brightness, honor and majesty. As His adopted kids provided with everything we need for life and godliness is the way Peter puts it. To be holy and blameless. To live lives of praise to God. Yet how often do we find ourselves just kind of scrambling through life, running from this thing to that thing, running to this meeting to that, this workplace, fixing this, fixing that, buying this, buying that. And we forget that every moment of our lives, every half hour of our lives, every hour of our lives is to be lived for the praise of His glory. And friends, that can be as simple as, thank you God. I praise you that I'm alive. Thank you for your gifts. You know, thankfulness is, an, is a powerful, powerful tool. Because as we begin to list and name the good things in our life. I, I tend to be a pessimist, kind of negative. Um, my wife, wonderfully, is an optimist. Um, so we kind of balance each other out. She tells me to be quiet, and then she gets to talk, and so it's all optimistic. No. But if we can pause, if we're feeling blue or down, if we're struggling, if we're distracted, 
just pause and be thankful. Just, just think of something, one something to thank God for. And do it. Say it. God, thank you that I, I have both my arms. Thank you, God, I have a brain. Maybe on my hip and my palm pilot, but I have one. Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my son-in-laws. Thank you for my granddaughter and grandson that's on his way. It's amazing if we'll give ourselves to being thoughtful, of being thankful, that that will lead us to living a life of praise to God. So you might try it. Tomorrow morning when you're driving to work, driving wherever you need to, cheer God on. Give Him some applaud. Paul goes on and echoes this in another way in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. The reason that we were created, the reason that we were born, the reason that God has done these incredible things that Paul named in chapter 1 of Ephesians, the destiny that we each carry as his children is to live our lives, not for ourselves, but for the praise of God's glory. A life that gives honor, exalts, and lifts him up, doing good and loving others in such a way that others around us will be drawn to him. That is our purpose. But how do we do that? What else, what does that look like to live a life fully pleasing to Him, living a life of praise to His glory? Well, there's a, in a couple of different places, Jesus summarized for us what it would look like for us to live our lives to the praise of God's glory. Once when He was asked, what was the greatest truth in the Bible? Jesus responded by giving us what is known as the great commandments. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. All of the prophets, the writings of the Bible, Jesus said, are based on these two patterns of life. Loving God with everything you've got and loving others the way you take care of yourself. These are the first two elements of what I would describe and call a balanced life. The first one is the upward element has to do with our relationship with God. This is the starting place. It's, it's from here that everything else can come of a purpose-lived life, of a life lived to the praise of God's glory, is that we encounter God, that we live in such a way that we are maintaining and developing our upward vertical relationship with Him, spending time with Him, learning about Him, getting to know Him, and aligning ourselves with Him in that upward way. The second one is our the inward element, which has to do with our close relationships with others that can be accomplished only when this other is first and in place. And while that 
inward, while that element of loving others might seem outward, I would advocate that it's inward because this has to do with our inner circle of close connected relationships. This has to do with our family and our friends, our close church relationships, what might be described as our community. At the end of his time on earth, however, Jesus, following his death and resurrection, gave to his friends and followers and additional instructions that could be described as his last words of instructions, which are known as the great commandments. And here Jesus gives to us two additional elements of the balanced life. Matthew 28:18 through 20, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. After the element of loving God, that first one, loving our close community, the inward element, if we're going to have a balanced life, Jesus says we must go into the world. We must have an outward element to our life, which has to do with our relationship with those who don't yet know Jesus. We have, um, in all of our community groups, we talk about and relate what we're doing as a group to these four elements. And one of the most exciting things that happens is when an individual comes into relationship, whether it be in a church setting, whether it be in your work setting, wherever, but someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, who is being led towards a relationship with him. I have a couple of friends, that um, one that's newer this year, one that I've been developing a neighbor friendship with over the years. And it is the highlight of my life, one of the key highlights of my life, to spend time journeying with these folks walking with them towards Jesus. And it's, it's like watching a baby being born. I, I, we had five home births. was there for all five of them. And uh, what an incredible um, thing that is. Well, this is v- real similar to that. I'm, I'm watching somebody be born again. It's very, very exciting. We have um, an individual uh, that is connected with our community groups, And um, the individual has been journeying with uh, their group now for some time. And yesterday there was a um, training for our community group uh, members who wanted to to grow and understand and and better understand how we are doing these small groups. And uh, one of the individuals, you know what, can you share that story? You can share it better than I. I just think that would be appropriate. Share it somehow with dignity and ambiguity and all that. All right. Um, well, anyway, this uh, friend of mine, <laughs> uh, she is uh, in process. She's discovering God through the love of the people um, in our community group. And she really can't help herself <laughs> because it, I think God's really uh, using us in an awesome way. So um, at the end of the meeting, she was in tears. Because uh, she says, I really, really want to believe this thing about Jesus. I, mean, I just really want it to be true. With everything that's in me, I want it to be true, but there's something still stuck. So I had a great time talking with her and told her, you know, 
I get that you've experienced God's love a lot through the community group, definitely. And that God's been working on your life. And it seems to me like you're about 75% effaced. Girls, you know what that means. <laughs> and any moment now, we're going to see this head coming through. So let's just wait for it. And really it's uh, for her with some fear from the past. And so I prayed for her, um, prayed for her again this morning. And she sent me an email this morning. And she said, you know, I went back to what was troubling me. She, uh, ten years ago there was a ins- situation where she had been taught by a book that she read and it really brought a lot of confusion in her life. I went back to those notes because she didn't even want to look at what the issue was. And she says, it's not that big of a deal. I think I even have answers for it. She goes, I think I'm farther along than 75%. <laughs> and I said, good, just about 95% of faced then, huh? So I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's happening. And I'm very grateful for um, our community group being very patient. Because, you know, when you have um, those who are becoming Christians in your midst, um, it takes a lot of patience. You know, it takes a lot of love. It, it takes biting your tongue when they say something really kooky, you know. It's like, oh, that's not in the ballpark of reality, but you know, just kind of stay there with them, <laughs> love them. So that was it. So we need, we need this outward element to our life. You know, it's, it's, it's probably the easiest one to sort of drop away. It's the easiest one because life can... Uh, in contrast to the song we sang earlier, life can really, a lot of the time, be all about me. <laughs> and uh, when it's all about me, uh, we tend to lose sight of all those around us. It's important for us to reach out to others who don't yet know Jesus and lead them to him. One of the things that I learned, have learned as a key about this since planting this church, I was uh, raised in an evangelical uh, setting uh, raised with the four spiritual laws for those of you who are familiar with that tool back from the 60s probably it's written prior to even me um, anyway um, evangelism explosion other kinds of things and uh, I was trained to you know give people truth and and that that would be sufficient and then you ask them do you believe this and would you like to ask Jesus to come in your heart that's how I was trained to, to do evangelism back in the 70s. And um, so as we've planted the church with an intention and a, a, a heart for providing a place and access for those who don't yet know Jesus, we've had to kind of wrestle through kind of these concepts and models for uh, evangelism. And, and here's what I figured out. And... Uh, and that is that before we can lead somebody to love God, they have to be loved by us. So before they can find God, they have to find us. And if we aren't kind of where we should be, then what they find won't get them where they need to go. Those are four one-liners. Did you get all those? My, my point there is that we need love with God. First and above all comes this transformation that comes as we come into relationship with God. Then we have close, connected relationships with those in a near community who are walking with us, journeying with us, helping us. That's, that's one of the primary places of family and small group. 
But then comes this opportunity for this outward to where we are sharing with others and and helping them to come to know us. But in order for that to be true, for that to be genuine, there has to be change and transformation in our life. And that leads us to the fourth element. Jesus says we must learn and obey. We must grow up. That's the forward element, which has to do with ourselves and our spiritual leaders. In our day and age, we have, uh, to a great degree, because of uh, issues of individuality, because of issues of challenge with authority, the 60s, you know, the whole thing and all that, we live in a culture that doesn't give much attention to leadership in our lives. Or we will to the degree that we like it. You know, to the degree that I like what you're telling me, then to that degree I'll accept it. When I don't like it, then I just don't accept it or you. That's the norm. There's an amazing passage, though, in Hebrews that says, Obey your leaders, for they keep watch over your souls and let them and do this so that it, it is a blessing rather than a painful ordeal. little paraphrase there. And I would advocate that this forward element needs a leader. That my children, as they were growing up, needed my wife present in order to do the homeschooling that they did through the years. Eventually, they get to their teens where they are much more responsible and able to self-teach, if you could use that, using the books and the tools. But initially, they had to be taught. They had to be led. And this forward element needs assistance. It needs partnering. It needs coaches. We have baseball players. We have athletes. They all have coaches. They all have people who are helping them. And that, again, is the role of a small group. Um, You know, a church of this size, yes, Claire and I can have pretty significant relationship with a lot of you. In a larger church, that isn't, isn't possible. But even at this size, it isn't as available as when we're in a small group where we have one another there as partnering friends, family members, and a coach there that's given to us, that we might grow up. And then that genuineness of our outreach will be more significant. We're not to be satisfied with having simply come to know Jesus. We're also to become like him. Jesus wants us to grow up. He wants us to learn to do everything he did. And that's going to require changing, growing, maturing, And it's going to require the help of others, friends and spiritual guides, coaches to journey with. So four elements that, when aligned with through Jesus, can enable us to live a balanced life of purpose. Upward, loving God with everything we've got. Inward, loving others the way we look out for ourselves. Outward, reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus and leading them to him who is true life forward, intentional life change, growth and maturing with the outcome of becoming like Jesus. Over the years, God has given us as a church clarity about our purpose and destiny and has given us a purpose statement that incorporates these elements. The purpose statement for our life says that Vineyard Church of San Antonio exists to love God and love others by helping one another fulfill their destiny through the lifelong process of encountering God, experiencing friendships, embracing wholeness, and expanding community. 
these four elements, upward, inward, outward, forward, are not something that we just arrive at someday or we somehow attain or we take a test and we got it. They're a process. They are a life journey that we take with others, sometimes being helped and sometimes helping others, but always pressing on, pursuing the destiny and the purpose of living for the praise of God's glory. So over the next four weeks, I'm going to continue to talk about this key to kingdom living by living life on purpose, by talking about these four elements, upward, encountering God, inward, experiencing friendships, outward, expanding community, and forward, embracing wholeness. And I want to conclude with one last passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul speaks of his lifelong process and journey of faith in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, particularly as it relates to his own pursuit and passion of purpose. Passage that I probably would say is my favorite passage. Um, Years and years and years ago, I memorized verses 8 through 14, and a fairly long passage, and it's always cool when I kind of work through that passage or can say it out loud, but uh, about two years ago, uh, looking at the passage again out of the text, saw that verse 7 really um, is a part of that context and began to um, add that to my repertoire, so to speak. And I have uh, been, I've got a card, a three by five card, and I actually have it in my journal where I do my devotions. And so every day for the last month, I have been glancing at this passage again. And I, I was startled about Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe, I don't, I don't know how long, maybe I've been doing this for longer than that, that there was a, a, an element of this passage that is uh, a passage very, very familiar to me that jumped out at me and spoke to my current situation in a profound, profound way. And I'll share that in a moment. Philippians 3, 7 to 14. And verse 7 is a little bit of a paraphrase drawing some of the previous verses into it to what Paul's saying. So if you read it out of your own text, you may find there to be a disparity there. Whatever gain I had accumulated in religious activities or worldly treasures, I have come to regard as loss because of Jesus. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already complete, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting What lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. We sang about that today. 
couple of different songs echoed elements of this passage. And what so captured me a month or so ago was over the last few years, I have experienced uh, quite a few personal losses. Some very, very painful times. Lost my mother. Uh, she passed away last September. And a, a lot of other uh, painful things over the last few years. And this phrase, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash in order that I might gain Christ. You know, we all experience losses in our, in our lives. Things don't always work out the way we would like them to. But if we will recognize that the Father is at work and that He is inviting us to a higher calling, to a loss of the things of this world, our religious activities, our worldly treasures, that we might know Him and the power of His resurrection. It's not until we've experienced that that we can gain the benefit of sharing in his sufferings. Because the trouble is, is if we just kind of get in the sharing of the sufferings without the resurrection power, we don't, uh, we don't seem to make it through very well. I was, uh, years ago, I used to just, the, the order of those, those things that are stated there, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And what does that mean? What does that look like to become like Christ in his death? It means to lay our lives down for others. For God first. To live for the praise of his glory and the care and good of others rather than my own. That is the only place that is true life. That's the only purpose that is worthy of being pursued in this world that will have any eternal benefit. But I just am so comforted and helped and encouraged by Paul, the great man of faith whom we all you know, think of practically next there, up there next to Jesus. He says to his very close friends, not that I have already obtained this or am already teleos, complete, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. It's really hard to live life looking in the rearview mirror. God is wanting us to move forward. He's wanting us to grow up and to be like Jesus. He's paid for everything. Every spiritual blessing has been made available to us to live our lives to the praise of his glory. And my hope and my encouragement to you and to me and to our church is that we would be those so living this life and pursuing this balanced life of living in another our closest community growing up, becoming like Jesus, and then having that genuine encounter with those who don't yet know him that leads them to become like him as well.
to welcome them into the church. I long for the day when my father looks at me and I cross that stage of heaven and he says to me, good job, Randy, you did it. That's what I long for each one of you as well. And my heart's prayer is that we together would be those who journey to living our lives for the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus' life who so uh, clearly shows to us this path and journey of a balanced life. A life lived in close, intimate relationship with you. A life in connected relationship with a small group of others who journey together, sometimes helping, sometimes being helped. Who was there and available, always alert to those who don't yet know you. Not being distracted by his own needs or his own wants, but being available, always listening with his spirit. What are you doing, Father? Father, are you working with this one today? What is it that you would have me say? And then that constant pursuit of growing in the favor of God and men. Those two accounts that were told in Luke about Jesus growing. Stature. Skill, understanding, wisdom. Father, we need to be like Jesus. And I thank you for his model. I thank you as well, Lord, for the model of Paul. A giant of the faith who was able to acknowledge that he had not arrived. That he was still working on the process. But he was living his life on purpose. He was a man with a mission. And then, Father, for the many, through the centuries, and those that we have known personally, who have gone before us, a great crowd of witnesses. Fill us with your zeal and your life to be one that runs with this crowd of witnesses, laying aside every entanglement, weight that so easily weighs us down, running with perseverance the race set before us not being distracted by the glittering things of this world, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, the initiator and completer of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the throne of God. Having modeled for us a life of selfless abandonment, to the Father and others. Lord, thank you for those who have gone before us. I'm just thinking of some in my own life right now. 
Thank you for their perseverance and their willingness to have journeyed alongside me. Might you help us to become those older men and women who come alongside the younger. Might we be those who, as the Hebrews writer says, by now you ought to be teachers, but instead you're just having to go back to the beginning steps again. Father, help us to be a people who move forward. Thank you, Father. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for the opportunity to live for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Clara? That's a good word. Well, just to stand, and um, let's just uh, give ourselves to him um, wholeheartedly, whatever part of the 75, 95, 200 part of you that is ready. Just extend your hands to him and give to him your life all over again. Let him be um, the one that empowers you to be the the vessel that looks like him on earth, on planet earth. So Holy Spirit, we give ourselves up to you, that portion that we know to give to you, Lord, and ask you to empower us this week to be um, that vessel that is filled by you, Lord, that we may be um, a reflection of you at work, at home, school, in our neighborhood, that people would trip over you because they met us. And they would fall in love with you, Lord, because they felt our love for them. So empower us, Lord. There's no way we could fulfill today's message without your power. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill us. Fill us, Lord. Fill our mind with new thinking, capture the thoughts that have told us in the past. Well, you failed in the past. You won't be able to do it this time. Lord, uh, forgive us for thinking we could do it on our own. So we ask, Lord, give us those thoughts to say we're dependent on you. And Lord, uh, forgive us when we just have grabbed and tried to take we ask you, Lord, to fill us. So, Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you now just fill every man, every woman, child, baby in this building. Empower us, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, I feel full. But some of you may have some things that are going on that you need some specific prayer about that's going on in your life you need ministry about, you need to talk to somebody, and there will be some of us up here that are willing to pray for you. It can be something emotional, physical, mental, anything, a question. And come on up, we're here to, to serve you. 
and bless you. Lord, keep you.